career, money, status. That's what was the driving force behind everything that I did. Uh, and in the end, it wasn't satisfying me that the way that I, I wanted it to. And so that was something I always struggled with and I probably couldn't have articulated like that then. Welcome to the Indo Podcast. I'm Isaac, your host, and with me today is my good friend, Sean. Hey, guys. Hey, so this is the week of our first Indo Live event, Sexual Identity. If you haven't yet heard, this is an event sort of aimed at informing the church of what the Bible says about our sexuality and our identity. And sort of like a TEDx talk, we're going to have three keynote speakers present for 15 minutes each, followed by this live Q&A with the speakers as well. So we have Dr. John Newfeld, who's the Bible teacher at Back to the Bible Canada, Steve Kim, an associate at Apologetics Canada, and Pastor Dave Johnson from Ethos Young Adults are going to be joining us for this uh, for this evening. So this is going to be happening this Thursday night, October 27th, 6.30 p.m. at the Clover Theatre in Surrey, B.C., Canada. If you don't live around the greater Vancouver area or you're just not able to come, the entire thing's going to be live streamed on our Facebook page. And also the entire event will be recorded so you'll be able to access the same uh, resources online uh, later on in November. But anyways, today's uh, episode is called The Life of a Young Pastor. I had the privilege of sitting down with uh, the young adult's pastor of one of Canada's fastest growing churches, really, and that's uh, Ben Hilson from the Village Church in Surrey, BC. And you, you've been going to the Village for a little while, huh? Yeah, um, <laughs> I've actually been going to uh, the Village and actually the Young Adults Group, uh, yeah. the collective, and so I've actually been able to uh, kind of hang out with Ben and actually talk with him and uh, hear his preaching, yeah. and it's it's been great. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, for today, he like he shares with us his his story, his sort of his testimony. Shares some some deep issues that he had to work through as well. Um, but we really get a glimpse into the life of this this young pastor. But anyways, here's my conversation with Ben Hilson. Hey, welcome to the Indo Podcast. And it's great to be chatting with Pastor Ben Hilson today. Ben is the young adults pastor of the Village Church near Vancouver, BC. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Yeah, that's good. Uh, ben and I met a couple, I think months ago now it was. We went up for coffee and uh, in, in our conversation of just figuring out who each other were, he, you know, Ben ended up sharing like his testimony and I was actually really impacted by it. It was very good. Um, I enjoyed to see God's work uh, in your life. And then I thought, man, I should have just been recording this because this would be perfect for our podcast as well. So that's why, that's why you're here uh, to share your testimony and talk a little bit about how testimonies can be used uh, in our lives is a really, really, really powerful tool. In fact, we know like in Revelation, it says that the beast was conquered by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony to think that it's the gospel and then what the gospel does in our lives, that's how the enemy is conquered, which is just a neat reality to think about. Anyways, I want to chat with you or more, I guess, hear from your story, your testimony, let, let the listeners know who is this pastor of this church over in uh, BC in Canada and uh, see what God has done in and through your life. So I guess the first thing to kind of ask uh-huh. uh, is simply when and how did you like find God or I should say, how did God find you? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I have a typical story in some sense that uh, my parents are a missionary. So I grew up in the church, grew up in a Christian family and uh, I'm actually from California. So Pasadena, California was where I was born. And uh, we moved out here to Richmond, BC about 1992. And my parents were missionaries amongst the East Indians in like the Richmond, Surrey area. 
And so I grew up in church, and so that's all I kind of knew. And uh, in some senses, I felt like the church that I grew up in was uh, kind of legalistic, so to speak. I always had this idea, I don't know how maybe it worked its way into my head through Sunday school and stuff, but uh, that, you know, God was mad at me. Or mm. uh, when I screwed up, I had to work my way towards God, be it good acts or good right. works or whatever you want to call it. Did you have sort of um, a perfectionist sort of yeah, mentality? Yeah, sort of. And okay. I think that's part of my personality too, right. uh, as I've found out as the years have gone by. But <laughs> yeah, that was always something that I had to work through in my relationship with God. But I think that at first, um, when I became a Christian at a young age, um, was kind of the flaw in the way I thought about my relationship with uh, Jesus. Yeah. And, and that kind of bled into uh, my high school years. And tell the to- story in a nutshell, like I grew up in a Christian house, Christian church, all yeah. that stuff. Every Sunday I'd go to church. So that yeah. was just like routine, normal, yeah. didn't think m- nothing of it. Um, and um, slowly, um, I started getting into different things. So grade five is actually when I first started getting into porn, and uh, that's a big part of my story, which I'll come mm-hmm. back to later. Um, but slowly, I started drifting away from God in some sense, and uh, I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to like you know follow the crowd and all that kind of stuff. So I got mixed up in um, just different things throughout high school, like slow. So um, I started skateboarding quite a bit. Got mixed up into that scene and those types of friends, and so right. we would drink a lot. Um, Slowly, as I moved into uh, university, I got into the party scene quite a bit. I experimented with uh, marijuana. um, And that was kind of my life. And uh, for some reason, I don't know what was going on in my head. Uh, I knew what to do. I knew what God called us to do. Um, I got baptized in grade 11 in the midst of everything that was going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really, in retrospect, I realized that I was just trying to please my parents in a lot of sense. And it was actually my parents' faith that I was living on and uh, functioning in. So it was never like an actual relationship with Jesus on your own? Yeah. Yeah, personal. I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah, um, it's sad to say, but yeah, all those years, I was kind of like that was what it was. Yeah, and so um, yeah, it was not until university. Um, I went to Trinity for a couple of years. Uh, um, same note that I wanted to please my parents, so I went into pre-medicine because I thought that's what uh, you do, and right. uh, <laughs> uh, you follow what your parents want for your life. And so I went into pre-medicine, yeah. and I was doing biology and all this kind of stuff, but mixed up in the round crowd. And I just wanted, obviously, I was seeking pleasure and just like having a good time. And so um, that kind of led me to not doing so well in school. And um, uh, changed my degree a couple times in the midst of that. And then before Trinity kicked me out, I actually just dropped out and went to Kwantlen instead. Um, and I started doing uh, marketing there. Uh, but at the same time, um, I got a job at the Royal Bank of Canada. Uh, I married my wife. Uh, we went to high school together, or we actually went to elementary school together too. Oh. Um, but we didn't start dating until grade 11. So that happened pretty quickly there. Um, lots of different things that happened in our relationship. Um, but we got married 2008. And uh, right then and there, we moved in together. Uh, it was definitely a rocky time because obviously I wasn't really solidified in my faith. Right, and, exactly. Um, she kind of she came back from Bible school in Germany, so she was kind of leading the family when it came to our spirituality, our faith, right. our walk with Jesus, uh, which wasn't really healthy because she would have to drag me to church. Right. <laughs> uh, and so in the midst of all of that, 
our close friend passed away in a car accident. Uh, and this is right six months into marriage when we're trying to figure things out. Uh, we didn't do premarital counseling or anything like that, so it was pretty, uh, at times, chaotic. Uh, and uh, yeah, and that kind of rocked my world because I realized like up to that point, um, I was really living my life for, for myself. Right. And uh, career, money, status, that was all, those are, that's what, how I was living my life and that was my, my goals in my life and uh, what was the driving force behind everything that I did. Uh, and in the end, it wasn't satisfying me that the way that I, I wanted it to. And so that was something I always struggled with and I probably couldn't have articulated it like that then. Um, but yeah, when my friend passed away, uh, I had this moment uh, with God at his funeral. And I was sitting in the pew and I was just like thinking through just what happened. And he died in a car accident in Australia uh, when he went back to visit uh, Cape Murray Bible School. Uh, he went there for a bit. And um, I was like asking God questions like, God, why would you take somebody that, you know, loved you, who followed you, who was dedicated, devoted to, you know, what you wanted to do in his life? and would just allow him to lose his life just, just an instant, right? And uh, um, yeah, I was like, I couldn't wrap my head around it. Yeah. I couldn't wrap my head around what kind of purpose God would have uh, for this happening. And all the things that were being said of him during the funeral about uh, the selfless acts that he would do, the kind of friend he was. Um, he was the type of guy that would always bring faith into the conversation, uh, even if you didn't want to talk about faith. <laughs> yeah. And uh, usually, like, it wouldn't be the highlight of my life, right? So I wouldn't want to really talk about it with him. Right. Uh, but just to appease him, you would get into that kind of conversation. But it was because he loved Jesus, and that mm. was what he was all about. And uh, it kind of just naturally bled out of him and came out of his actions and the way that he spoke. Um, so as I was sitting there asking God a bunch of questions, uh, God asked me a question, and uh, I just felt the Holy Spirit bring this question into my mind, and it was that uh, God was asking me, what are you doing with your life? Wow. And um, in that moment, I had no idea how to answer it, and yeah. I was kind of taken back. Uh, probably one of the first times that I was be able to discern the Holy Spirit uh, speaking in, into my life, right? And so... Um, I kind of thought about it for a couple seconds, but I had no answer. And I was like, yeah. God, I don't know. And in that moment, um, I totally felt God working in my life. And uh, things that I totally did not want to see happen, meaning because I grew up in a Christian family, my dad was a pastor of multicultural ministries at our church. Um, I never wanted to be a pastor. My buddies would make fun of me all the time and said that you're gonna become a pastor like your dad. I'd no, be no, like, no. never. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I tried to for, like move as far away from that as possible. And obviously, you know, as we said, God pursues and he was pursuing me, especially with this calling on my life. And that's when I knew um, that I needed to just give my life to Jesus fully and totally surrender everything to him, uh, no matter what he called me to. And that was that moment at that funeral, and it was nothing like spectacular or anything. It was no. just honestly yeah. a prayer in my heart. And I was like, okay, God, uh, I want my life to mean something. Yeah. So here's my life. Yeah. I'll That's do so cool. whatever you tell me to do. Yeah. It's amazing how like funerals have a special 
like the Lord, the Lord uses funerals for sure, especially when he calls people home, uh, Christians home, and they have like these incredible stories of, you know, selflessness and faith. Man, it can do a crazy work. I mean, you're a living testimony of that, how uh, God can use funerals to really call people back to him or call people to him for the very first time. It's really cool. And it's neat as well as you're saying that how you're at the funeral, you have all these sort of questions and, you know, that could have led you to be angry at God even more. Like, why would you take this away? All yeah. kinds of da da da. But the fact that just like Job, he's like, just stop asking. I'm going to ask you a question, you know? So when did, when did church ministry kind of, uh, kind of come into life for you then? Because yeah. here you are, you're newly married, you've come back to the Lord, you've, you've surrendered your entire life to him. Right. And then now, you know, now you're pastor. So how did that all happen? Yeah. So, um, yeah, after that funeral, I had a bit of sense that God wanted me to go into ministry. Okay. Uh, and my wife would tell you that she always knew that I was supposed to go into ministry. They do always know uh, somehow. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> crazy. And so, yeah, I used to lead worship and uh, used to lead worship at my parents' church and at school because I went to a Christian school. And so I thought that I liked playing guitar. I was in a band of some sorts right after high school. What was it called? Uh, <laughs> Second City, I think that's what it's called. That's good. Yeah, that's good. I love early like Christian <laughs> band names. Or... We weren't a Christian band. Oh, you weren't? No. Oh, I, okay. That was actually just a coincidence. I don't that's... think any of us realized. <laughs> that's awesome. That we were actually called. The Lord's band. in it, man. The yeah. Lord's in it. You got to reband. You guys got to reband. <laughs> uh, anyways, but. Uh, yeah, so um, I thought I would just become a worship pastor and go to school, you know, take the natural steps. So mm-hmm. September 2009, as I went into school, um, one of my buddies who I skated with, who's actually my wife's cousin, uh, just randomly texted me. And I thought he was texting me to like, let's go skate or something, but it was just so random. He's like, my girlfriend is the children's director at this church and they're looking for a youth pastor. And I heard that you want to be a youth pastor. And I was like, <laughs> what? What? <laughs> I never, ever said that ever in my life. Like yeah. Those words did not come out of my mouth. So I was like, where did he get this idea? And thinking God was in this, I was like, okay. Um, asked him for the details. And he said, oh, yeah, just email or call this number and apply. And I have no clue really how a church works or what the process is for (laughs) getting into a ministry position. So I called the church and I called the church to ask like, hey, do you need a resume? Do you need a cover letter? What do you need? And that led me to talking to the senior pastor who said, hey, why don't you come down and uh, let's meet face to face before you apply. And through this heart to heart conversation, um, he could tell that something was going on. God was doing something in my heart. And so he said, I don't normally do this, um, but this is what we'll do. Uh, I know you don't have any experience, no nothing. You're going, you're just getting into Bible school. Um, So I will give you a three-month trial. And uh, three months, take this youth group of 12 kids and see what you can do. Right. Uh, we'll, we'll try to assess what kind of leadership skills or giftings that you have during this time. And in three months, if it doesn't work out, like it's not a good fit, then you go your way and we go our way. And that's that. Right. Um, I was working part-time at the bank. So I was like, yeah, I was game. Like, yeah, sure. didn't really, like there was really <laughs> no risk. And yeah, three months turned into like three and a half years. And yeah, God just revealed like, hey, this is, I give you this gift. I gave you that gift. Um, I started to realize like what really got me passionate uh, in life. And I started realizing my purpose and yeah. 
Awesome. And, and now, obviously, you know, working at the Village Church, you're you're the young adults pastor. So uh, February 2013, I started at Village Church mm-hmm. as the youth and young adults director or student ministry director. And just this year, um, in June, I passed on the baton to uh, my associate, Michael Chinchilla, and now he's the youth director and I'm the young adults director and I help out at our north location, uh, our site pastor, Chris Demonier. Uh, I'm his operation and logistics guy. So wow. I, I think what's important is that people hear uh, sort of obviously the real kind of the nitty gritty of the testimonies and the stories of of church leaders, because I, I feel like a lot of time they're sort of put up on this pedestal, this fake pedestal. And people think, oh, they're they're a church leader. They're they're so good and they're so perfect. And they don't, they don't really struggle. I mean, they might, you know, get angry a little bit or something, but they don't actually struggle because they're church leaders. Anyways, you and I both know that that's absolutely not true, yeah. that someone like yourself, you're human. I'm human. We're human. And uh, I mean, leading into that, I mean, what were some of the struggles, I guess, that you've had to work through um, in order to continue mature? maturing in your position, but also just in your individual life with Christ. Mm-hmm. I came into ministry pretty raw. Um, as I told you, like all of a sudden I got that text and I find myself yeah. in a youth, young adult pastor position where I felt like God was just starting to uh, work in me and make me look more like Jesus. So I came from this whole like party lifestyle, you know, go out on the weekends, live for the weekend, whatever, you know, uh, to all of a sudden working at the church. So yeah, it was really rough. Uh, there was a lot of things that I cut out right away from my life because uh, I knew like Holy Spirit was convicting me of it. I knew that's not what you're supposed to do. Um, but I found myself being thrown into just a really... Um, routine devotional life and praying like crazy because uh, I was like in over my head, right? Uh, and uh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was, you just I was need totally depending on God yeah. just to work through me. And uh, yeah, I never went to youth group or anything like that. So uh, that's probably part of it too. I had no clue what a youth group looked like. <laughs> um, but yeah, through that, uh, I was dealing with a lot of deep-rooted sin in my life, uh, one thing being porn. So as I mentioned earlier in my testimony, I started struggling with it or I got um, introduced to it when in grade five. And back then even, um, that wasn't the norm. And so I grew up with this struggle and it kind of got worse and worse and it went from softcore to hardcore porn uh, throughout high school. And I really struggled with that even within my first year of marriage, which kind of was really detrimental to our relationship. And I still remember telling my wife and how broken up and she was just weeping and crying about it. Uh, but still that didn't even lead me to really want to get rid of it, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I brought it into my ministry position, um, trying to deal with it by myself, trying to like, you know, co- cut it cold turkey. Uh, I read all these resources, all these books, um, but the thing was, they didn't convince me enough or it didn't um, spark this deep-rooted change inside my my heart and my life. And uh, yeah, it wasn't till I think a year into ministry where I started figuring out that whenever I sinned, whenever I like indulged in pornography, uh, it hindered my ministry. And I can't put it into words, but I just knew that the Holy Spirit wasn't working through me as powerfully. And uh, especially when I started speaking and started uh, leading that way. And uh, so 
it came down to uh, a service, and it was just a random service. I couldn't really actually tell you what the sermon was about. Uh, and I was leading worship on stage, and I was playing guitar. And all of a sudden, during the response time, the Holy Spirit just kind of convicted me and told me that I needed to tell uh, my senior pastor about this struggle that I had, um, that I was trying to keep hidden in some sense. Um, I had an accountability partner who was a friend from high school, um, but other than that, I don't think I really told anybody that, that much older than me. Right. And so in that moment, um, it was a year in, I finally found something that I loved. Uh, I found purpose, I found meaning, and I knew God was telling me to lay that all down. Yeah, yeah for uh, sure. Because this one thing was going to be a huge hindrance in my ministry life if I didn't deal with it right now. And so in that moment, um, I kind of prayed really quickly, put down my guitar. It was funny because I was actually like supposed to play this song, right. this response song, right? And I was one, one of the only guitars. But I put down the guitar, and I went down uh, during the, the response time, and I just sat next to my senior pastor. And all of a sudden, I just started bawling. Like, mm -hmm. I couldn't help it. And uh, I just admitted this sin to him, which was so hard to do. Yeah. Um, but uh, in that moment, uh, I'll never forget what he said. He put his arm around uh, my shoulder and said, uh, Ben, you know why you hate this sin in your life? Um, it's because God has uh, this huge call in your life. And um, he wants you to deal with this sin. Otherwise, it's your ministry is always going to be hindered. And uh, yeah. that was what I needed to hear. Yeah. Um, it was just this this word of grace in some sense. Yeah. Uh, I thought he would judge me. I thought he would, like, say you're fired, right? right? For sure. Uh, yeah. But his words were just, honestly, me experiencing uh, God's grace for the first time in a real way. And um, I obviously confessed my sin to him, and he just prayed for me. Um, and in that moment, I just felt um, this healing occur in some sense. And uh, I knew um, that at that moment that I couldn't do this again. Uh, and I can't explain it to you. Uh, I think James uh, 5, 13 or something uh, talks about, you know, the prayer of a righteous person brings about healing. That's my paraphrase. Uh, but that's what happened in that moment. Right. And ever since that day, um, early 2010, I think it was, like, I, I haven't dealt with it right. ever. Like, I obviously, I, I still struggle with lust and stuff like that. But in the sense of it leading to me to go and pursue uh, looking at porn or anything like that, it's Just like, stopped. it's not a thing. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's crazy because before that moment, I tried everything. Yeah. And it was just like this change of affection, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and it's when I, I truly wanted um, to know God more and to see him work through my life than to um, take part in this small pleasure, this small indulgence yeah. that uh, was just so warped. And yeah. Yeah, it was a point, I guess, in hearing you say that, I'm like, you wanted to know the joy of the Lord more than the joy that can come about from watching porn or whatever, mm -hmm. which is so cool. Um, thank you for sharing that, by the way. I think that's powerful because every single time someone confesses their, their sin, specifically when it comes to porn, I find that a lot of people just sort of get this 
uh, relief inside of them where it's like it gives them hope where they can actually now go and share it as well because it is a deep hidden sin that in so many people's lives yeah. especially the church and it's just sad to see that um, if you want to like I mean you, you mentioned there that you still struggle with lust what are some other things that I mean you're, you're a pastor right now but you're not perfectly sanctified we're, we're not going to be glorified until the day that Jesus comes back which yeah. is going to be so excited for that day because <laughs> uh, we all have so much sin but what are some things as a pastor that you can say um, to Christians to, to sort of break that to break that stereotype where it's like pastors are all good you know like what are some things in your life if you don't mind like sharing that things that you you work on things that you struggle with things that you can just be like yeah this is something that I have to deal with and it's tough yeah there's tons of things (laughs) well good (laughs) Uh, I I totally believe that God calls broken people right and I'm just one of them and um, yeah but um, lust being one thing like your thought life is a huge thing Um, that's something that's internal that nobody really sees right Um, I think I'm pretty open with my story at least at my church and young adults or anytime I get a chance to speak uh, anywhere actually Um, because as you said I think it's really freeing in some sense Uh, and it helps other people it frees them up to be able to uh, confess uh, their sin to me and it's such a privilege to be play that role in their life uh, that same role that the senior pastor played in my life Um, but yeah like I think in any sense, because we aren't sanct- fully sanctified, um, yeah, like resentment, bitterness, envy, uh, comparison, uh, you name it. It's like all these like things that don't really get chalked up as major sins in yeah. pe- Christians' life, right? It's, it's usually true. like alcohol, porn. These external uh, things, yeah, but yeah. you're talking about these internal exactly. issues. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, I think what Galatians uh, 5 talks about, it's like the desires of the flesh. Um, compared to the desires of the spirit, right? Uh, And it's just waking up every morning and asking God to help you walk in step with the spirit uh, and especially see the fruit of of the spirit in your life, right? Um, Compared to those other things like envy, jealousy, you know, and... um, yeah, that's something that uh, it it's hard because you can't really work on it, right? You right. kind of have to trust God to empower you to be able to function in a certain way. Yeah. Um, but I think the key is to um, just when you see it happening, be it the way that you're acting or the way that you're talking about someone or um, even not even bringing it to light, so to speak, uh, by talking it with an uh, accountability partner of some sort or maybe even somebody that uh, – you have uh, some sort of uh, relationship, discipleship relationship with. For sure. Um, but yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. How would you encourage people to use their testimonies and their stories um, to draw people closer to Jesus? Stories are so powerful. Um, and I love just hearing, it, it inspires me also, right? Hearing how Jesus transforms a person's life. And I think a lot of times in the church, um, you think that people kind of have these perfect put together lives, right? Because you don't really get to know everybody. Um, but once you start seeing just where Jesus brought somebody from, um, it can really help people that are feeling shame or sh- feeling guilt or feeling like they're not good enough or feeling like um, they're broken and they can't be used by God because we're all called to make disciples, right? Uh, and so I always tell young adults to share their story and we make it actually a thing at Collective. Mm. Um, we call it Collective Stories. And this past uh, Friday, we had our launch and uh, uh, one of our young adults that I know really well um, shared about how uh, in her story, she grew up in a Christian family and stuff like that. And she was kind of started questioning God because uh, she got raped in uh, high school. 
And but through that story, it was just like the story of redemption and how God, even in the midst of this super evil act, uh, brought her and drew her closer to him. And uh, now she's sharing it. And the thing about sharing your story is that it always brings freedom to somebody else that's going through the same thing. So good. And um, that's what I love about like, I feel like it's just a tool of God's grace in some sense, right? Um, It's a tool that he uses to as a vehicle to get his grace and his message of grace uh, to people around you. And um, when you open up like that, and you're just transparent, um, I think that's the way that God works best. And I encourage all the young adults that I meet to share their story because um, you don't know in what way uh, somebody else might be feeling the same thing or it might give somebody else the courage to just come out of hiding, so to speak. Um, and yeah, I think the biggest thing is when the enemy works on somebody, it's with all these thoughts of doubt and lies that, oh, if you told someone this, right. uh, you would be rejected. Yeah. Right or oh, you would be hated on or whatever, uh, which is not true, and it's the opposite actually. When we take these things out of hiding and reveal them and bring them to the light, is when God's grace can actually penetrate that situation and work. So, well, that's great. Um, thank you so much, Ben, for coming into the studio. And yeah, thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, awesome. Well, we have to wrap this up pretty soon, but you know, what's the sort of the specific thing you wanted to kind of comment on or elaborate on, Sean? Um, I think it was really sobering to actually just hear the story of a pastor and to kind of be um, brought behind the veil um, of their life. I think we look to pastors as uh, kind of idols and just putting yeah. them, like you said, on a pedestal and um, just recognizing that pastors are people too. And yeah. I think it kind of breaks down that whole like, you know, I'm above you, authoritative, whatever, as sure. opposed to like, they're also, as Christ would say, our brothers and sisters. Yeah. And there's no, there's, there's no uh, like hierarchy or authority to that. It's, it, it allows us to kind of be on the same level and encouraging one another. Yeah. And that's good. I, I think that that mindset will help both, you know, the people in the congregation and also the people in the pulpit who um, are probably under extreme pressure having people kind of put them on this pedestal. Exactly, yeah. And like even for myself in my my second year of Bible college, I wasn't a pastor or anything, but I started to serve at the church in more public ways, like a little bit of preaching, worship ministry, other stuff. So people saw me and I did feel myself getting onto this little bit of a pedestal. And I remember one time just in tears going to my pastor and being like, I can't handle this because I feel like everyone thinks I'm this pure person, but I'm still struggling like a lot with a lot mm-hmm. of stuff. And I mm-hmm. felt like such a hypocrite as well. And it was really, really hard. So not even for, for people having a, like a wrong view and idolizing their pastors, but also for pastors, it's, it's kind of a unhealthy place to, to sit in as mm-hmm. well. Pastors are people too. They're people. That's right. Anyways, that wraps up this week's uh, Indo podcast. To connect with us elsewhere, you can hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. Anyways, I'm Isaac. And I'm Sean. And next week we talk with Matthew Robinson, director of Media Gratier. The In Doubt podcast is a part of Back to the Bible Canada's young adult ministry, In Doubt. All of Back to the Bible Canada's ministry programs and resources are created for the purpose of leading people forward in their walk with Jesus every day. For more information on all things Back to the Bible Canada, visit backtothebible.ca.